What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us is Antia and Brody Boyd, who have been helping thousands of successful single women all over the world for over a decade attract the right man to share their life and be happier fast without loneliness, frustration, or wasting any more time attracting emotionally unavailable men. Antia studied personality psychology at UC Berkeley. Brody has a degree in communications and interpersonal relationships. And they have been international keynote speakers on hundreds of stages, radio and TV shows all over the world, including Google, the Harvard University Faculty Club, and America Trends TV. They've been on ABC Radio, Good Morning San Diego, The Great Love Debate, and for over a decade studied everything that they could get their hands on in the areas of dating relationships and finding the right partner to feel happy, safe, and fulfilled together without the old issues, self-doubt, or disappointment getting in the way. They have been married for seven years and now live in beautiful San Diego, California, and look forward to helping you get married and being one of their amazing success stories as well. Antia Brody, welcome to the show. Woo-hoo! All right. Glad to be here, man. <laughs> so excited to be here. Tell us about your stories individually. If you want to start, Antia, I know you came from uh, communist Germany, had an unavailable home, what that was like. Then let's talk about your story, Brody and how you guys are now married for seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So I, yeah, I grew up in Eastern Germany, by the way, you can detect it from my accent. And my dad was what we call dismissive avoidant. My mom was a narcissist. And so you can imagine what that combination did to my nervous system, to my self-confidence, to my sense of self, you know, so just give you a little bit of a taste. We, we would always say, you know, words like, I love you were as common as Christmas and Thanksgiving falling on the same day, basically like never, uh, no hugs and constantly feeling like I'm too much. You know, I remember I was 18 months old and I was trying to crawl into my mom's bed and she rolled over, like imagine like 18 months, you can barely like reach the tip of the mattress basically, right? Like you basically have that height. And she said, which in German means don't bother me. So that became one of my core beliefs. My dad, on the other hand, he always raised me to be a high achiever. So he said, well, who do you think you are? Like, don't get too arrogant. Don't get to this and that. And so you can only imagine like what that did again to my whole dating journey. Because when I started dating, I attracted a whole bunch of emotionally unavailable men. They were conflicted inside of themselves because guess what? Wouldn't you believe it that with this upbringing, I was just a little bit conflicted inside of myself too, right? Part of me wanted to have the relationship and then another part was like, but I don't need anyone because that was my coping mechanism to protect myself. And so, but you know, one thing I always tell my women is if you want to have a massive shift in your life, you have to take massive action. So after a couple of years, of being dropped like a hot potato after being told I'm the you know girl of someone's story and whatever whatever like I got myself out of Germany got myself out of the environment remember environment trumps willpower so I'm like I don't have that willpower like I gotta get out of the environment and I got myself into UC Berkeley studied personality psychology um, attachment style specifically because Brendan I really wanted to understand like why did the relationship I had with my parents directly translate into the dynamic with in romance. You wouldn't necessarily make that connection. Now you would, but back then I didn't. And I said, how is that even possible? So yeah, so here we are. And what's interesting about that is that I just 
learned everything that I could get my hands on, understood everything on an intellectual level, so much so that a lot of women would always reach out to me. Hey, Auntie, what was the newest workshop you went to? And tell me all about it. And so I would start to have like little support groups. Um, environment trumps willpower. Mm-hmm. The importance of surrounding yourself, either getting out of Germany or getting having some healthy boundaries from your parents. Mm-hmm. Brody, what was your story? Um, you know, it's funny because I actually had a very similar story to Antia. Um, I grew up in a household where I felt it was a little bit different, though, because I felt more controlled by my mother in particular, um, very controlled. And um, she didn't really value the masculine from my dad because she didn't really trust it. And I felt that she did the same with me, where my masculinity wasn't really welcome. And so I had this conflict within myself about my own masculinity, my manhood, what it was to be a man, uh, my own power. And um, so I was kind of like subdued and I was very quiet. I didn't really have a dating life until I got into college. And really I left my, my house, you know, my parents' house and started break free and becoming my own man. I had already started studying though, um, when I was in high school, these books, these dating books that I found online, you know, how to approach women, how to get phone numbers and whatnot. I actually remember reading a book. My first book I ever read about this was called Speed Seduction. <laughs> and it was about uh, how to, how to uh, seduce women through hypnosis and NLP, uh, which even back then, I'm like, this is kind of weird. Uh, I actually ended up meeting that guy later on. I ran into him, funny enough, in San Diego, uh, year, decades later. But um, yeah, so then I got into college. I started practicing what I was learning and uh, started working on myself. And I, I just was so frustrated by the lack of my dating success, you know, getting rejected by women, not really understanding what they wanted, um, not really being so confident that I hired my own dating coach. And uh, after, you know, studying a lot of books, reading hundreds of books, studying communications, interpersonal relationships. And, uh, but yeah, I committed to hire a dating coach and I uh, ended up going down to LA for a weekend, spending a weekend with him, going out, socializing, hearing his stories, teaching us. And I learned a lot from that. And that really helped me to be more confident and start to be more social and get out of my head into my heart and connect authentically with women. And, uh, and so, yeah, then I started having some success, started meeting a lot of uh, great women. And then I learned eventually when I was in Hawaii, because I ended up moving then to Hawaii right after LA, that I wanted to, I wanted a power partner. You know, dating was nice. I was having fun. I was meeting a lot of great women, but I wanted a person to share my life with, like a partner. Because I started wondering, like, what is this all about? What is life all about? Like, this feels a little meaningless. And I wanted a partner to, like, change the world together. And it was just shortly after that, um, and the same with Antia, she had ended up moving from LA to Hawaii. And that's actually where we ended up meeting each other at a, at a spiritual workshop. And, um, and we just connected like on all levels right away because we had so much in common. We found out right away, we both read a lot of the same books. We both had a similar journey. We both struggled in our dating lives. So I think we yeah. even found out about that. We talked about masculine feminine dynamics within like the first 30 minutes. So when you guys met, because you're both on these sort of long-term relationship journeys individually. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Were you guys scared? Oh, I'm, I'm just gonna make the same mistakes again. I hope this works out. Like, what do you think enabled this to become a seven-year marriage? Were you guys more prepared individually? Were you guys better fits for each other? All the above? So I'm glad that you addressed that, Brandon, because I was single my whole life. I always joke because my shortest or longest relationship was well, it was more a situationship of two and a half months. So you can you cannot really call that a relationship because you better get to know each other in that time. Yeah. That's like eight dates or so, you know, eight, nine dates. And it was over. And so I was actually, you know, I actually noticed there was a lot of resistance for me to get into a relationship. I just never knew that because I just happened to attract men who were equally voidant. So then I just put it all on them and I would sabotage it. So when I met Brody and he told me the first night we met, that I'm the girl of his story. I was like, wait a minute, am I crazy or is he crazy? Because Hold on, like- what, what did you say, Brody? <laughs> yeah, so the first night we met in uh, Waikiki, we were like, uh, met at the spiritual center, I invited her to this other event. And then uh, after that, we were like in the parking lot, the Hawaiian moon was out. And I was just like, it hit me. Like I, I had this list that I had written down everything that I wanted in my ideal woman, my partner, but also my career and health and ever etc i called it my story and i just realized i'm like oh my god like you're the girl from my story this is the girl from my story and i told her that i said wow you're like the girl from my story and i didn't even you know i never told a woman that before and i just like threw it out there because i was more like i'm kind of shocked but uh 
I, I want to highlight that. That sounds, that sounds like a bold, strong move that a woman would like to hear. Is that how it came yeah, off? Maybe, you I don't know. I mean, I was never taught to say anything like that in all my studies and everything. <laughs> like it was, I was really off the playbook, but I'm just like, wow, this is like the girl from my story. Um, and then she was just kind of like, I mean, she's kind of didn't know what to say with that. She didn't know what to do with that. Did that push you away onto you or what? So what happened from there? I, I So for me, I, I felt like, I felt like, well, it's Hawaii. So, you know, a lot of guys say a lot of things when a day is long. And you know what I mean? So I always had a little bit this sort of like standoffish like energy towards guys where I would keep myself guarded. But what's interesting was like, Buddy just stayed very stable. He would just like not be obsessed, not like text me all the time and tell me, when are we getting married? And you got the names of our kids or whatever. But he would just like check in, you know, once or twice a week. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. So I almost forgot about that. He told me that I'm the girl of his his story because he was just so just even keeled and almost like, like, cool. Just like, yeah, cool. Let's hang out again. Sure. And then it was so funny. We would like run into each other and we would not know. So I'm always saying like God throws you together over and over again, like if you're meant to be together. And we, I mean, we ran into each other at a housewarming party and I ignored him a whole night and I drank alcohol. I don't drink. I just not, I just don't like it, but you know, I had to drink like two bottles of champagne and I'm like, because I'm like, why are you here? I don't, I don't. So I feel like my whole nervousness was so thrown off. I never had encountered a man who's so consistent, but also not reactive at all. Like he just let me do my thing. And it's like, sure, whatever you believe are not meant to be do your thing. You know, I know you'll come back. I know you're the one. <laughs> so he never really like, um, you know, had an narcissistic mom. So she would always invade my space. So Brody didn't do that. He's just like, cool. You do you boo, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, we would like end up at the same museum opening. I mean, on and on so many stories. And um, so, yeah, I was kicking and screaming until one night he asked me, he's like, so who was this friend that picked you up last night so we were doing a lot of workshops together because we have a lot of things in common and I'm like oh yeah it was a guy oh did you stay overnight so you asked me all those like inquisitive questions and I'm like oh you do know I'm seeing other people right like I'm I'm like I don't know what this is but you know it's kind of strange and he's like well I don't and I don't and then he said I have feelings of love for you I was so sweet when he said that, like everything shifted. It felt like his whole coolness dropped and I got to see his heart and then I got to see my own heart. And I realized that he had snuck himself into my heart all along, even though I was kicking and screaming. Hey Brody, let's hear your side of this. Like you were bold, you were open and vulnerable about your feelings. And then she, so what happened with Auntie? Did she start to let her guard down and start to trust you more? Um, yeah, I feel like in the beginning, she was more just like, you know, I don't know what this is. We can just explore it, you know, whatever. This is, let, let's just go with it. And then um, as we continued dating, um, she she told me actually, she's like, you know, when I've dated guys in the past, you know, typically they never last more than two weeks. I'm like, okay, interesting. And then sure enough, as we start getting the two week mark, she starts acting kind of funny. I think that might've been one of the nights where she was like, oh, I was breaking up with you. No, no, no first that you ignored me. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we ran into each other at a party and she like ignored me and it was like very strange. And then later she texted me. And she's like, I didn't mean to ignore you and all this stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So I could like feel the sabotage pattern starting to come up. And then uh, like two months, then, so we made it past the two weeks and then she like barely, and then she uh, told me, okay, well, you know, any guy that I did in the past after two, if they make it past two weeks, they never make it past two months. Which was the truth, And so I'm like, okay, interesting. And then sure enough, as we start getting towards a two month period, she starts acting a little funny and she actually invited me to the beach one day and we were just hanging out and we had like an interesting conversation. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was just, it was, the energy was kind of off. And I remember leaving it and later she told me, she's like, yeah, I was breaking up with you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. So uh, yeah, it was very interesting. So she was trying to break up with me apparently, but then she left my her towel in my backpack and I had to tell her accidentally, yeah, well, you know, or the God put it there or God something, put you it know. There. <laughs> and then she so then we had to uh then we met up again and then we reconnected and so then we continued. But yeah, so it was interesting. It was just interesting for me to be like I was at more of the place where I had done enough work, I was pretty um solid in myself, secure attachment mm -hmm. in myself more. I used to be more avoidant, but I was more secure. And then she, I could feel like these, these patterns coming up 
But I think like your other question, why, how we were able to make it seven years, I think the key that let us uh, survive, our relationship survived these initial three months of being, we weren't even exclusive for three months. We were just casually dating. And she, like she said, she was dating other people. I was sort of in the beginning, but then I kind of was not and just seeing her. But um, it was because we had so many tools. I think it was because we had so much awareness and we've yep. done so much work, even with all that work, you could still see even all the work she'd done. And I didn't, there was still this, like these, the stuff coming up, Yeah. but luckily with the tools, we were just able to barely make it, uh, through all that in the beginning, barely. especially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether you're coming from, it sounds like you had an, a lot of anxious side or you had the, um, avoidant and you both have built so much security when you're working with someone, how can they become more secure? Obviously they're looking for a secure person. But typically, it's very useful to become more secure, too. Yeah. How have you guys been able to do that? Yeah, totally. I think the biggest piece is, first and foremost, to not fight it. So I knew I was anxious. So I told Polly. I told Polly, my dad and friend just stopped the breathing for a moment. <laughs> so, yes, I told him. I said, you know, and again, we had the language. I know we have a little bit of an advantage. But I could say, hey, so... I have an anxious attachment style and how this looks like is this and that. So you're not responsible for it, but I just may act funny occasionally, or I may withdraw or I may. So I explained to him what, what parts of me may do. And I told him why I'm doing this, that I'm actually just doing this to resource myself so I can come back uh, to be fully myself and to be fully resourced, fully be able to connect, trust myself and um, build a long-term um, committed relationship so that was one was like calling yourself out being authentic so huge I mean just within us dating for like I don't know it was four weeks or so you saw one of my lowest moments and allowed mm. you to see that which I've never allowed a man to see before because I just remember I don't need anyone so my motto was always don't show weakness don't show any of that uh, just be cool just be aloof just be you know just a little bit like playful, but like, don't be too vulnerable. That's really powerful to just kind of put that on the table. You know, it's, it's so interesting, right? Like people like they admire perfect people, but I fall in love with imperfect ones. And I feel like unconsciously it creates trust. Cause it's like, Oh, you're like me. You're not perfect either. Okay. So maybe I can let my guard down or maybe I'm not even aware of my vulnerabilities because I've been running my patterns for 30 years of like that I don't need anyone, but now actually by you modeling that, it gives me permission to see, or actually discover for the first time that there's something vulnerable there for me or that I have a fear, which of course causes tremendous emotional intimacy and bonds. I wanna make sure I, I heard that right. We admire perfect people, but we fall in love with imperfect people. Yes, yes. That's, that's really right. good. Yes. I try to be the best girlfriend and the best like date and the best. And then it would be like, why are they not asking me out again? It's like, because it was all about them. I was focusing being, being someone for them. And they're like, well, who's auntie? I don't know. Well, she's like a chameleon, you know, whatever I want her to be. She's just going to turn herself into that. And I gave all my power away. And so the man didn't feel connected because I wasn't even connected to myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I, oh, go ahead, Bertie. I was just going to say the other thing I think about that is um, it actually is a sign of strength when you can own that, that part of you, because it's just like they say in spirituality, you know, it's about your higher awareness ability to observe yourself. And so if you can actually call out your own faults, quote unquote, um, it actually shows that you have control over them because you're observing them from a higher place. And so if you're talking to somebody who's more, more avoidant and you call yourself out, it actually give, helps them to feel safe because it shows that, yeah, you might have that anxious pattern. Yeah, you might have this issue, but you're aware of it. And that's a huge step. And so I think that makes people feel, that made me feel safe when she called herself out. And I felt, oh, okay, well, at least she's aware of it. At least she has some control over it. Because my ex-girlfriend before her had been very anxious attachment style and that did not go well. And I had the most painful breakup in my life when I was in my early 20s, when I was trying to learn all this stuff. And I was severely depressed for a year and a half after that, um, which was a big part of my journey. Also, I didn't get to mention. But um, so that helped me feel safe that like, wow, well, she's actually different than my ex, because she's at least aware of her patterns. And that made me feel safe as in a recovered mm -hmm. avoidant to come closer to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And she had, and auntie was on this path of learning and growing. And so there was some commitment and trust that even if she's trying to sabotage it two weeks or two months, there was some path forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah that she was actively um, improving in that way and wanting to improve in that way, wanting to improve herself yeah, in her totally. patterns. Yeah. What are the most common um, traps that women you work with fall into with our oh, listeners today? Well, first of all, like I would say about 75% of women that come to me have some sort of narcissistic background, 100% un emotionally unavailable. At least one parent was emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. And so one thing is, um, is they're not aware how emotionally unavailable they are. So they're like, I'm good. I'm happy, playful, all of that. And then when, when I do a clarity session with them and actually see where they're distorted, where they disconnect, disassociate, they're like, I've never realized that. I'm like, yeah, the man notices when you laugh, when something is actually not funny and you just shared something vulnerable, like how sad you were when your dog died and then you laugh. Like, and the man is like, wait a minute, I just felt the sadness with you, but then you laughed. So you threw off my whole nervous system. And now I'm thinking, wait a minute, like, did I get this wrong? Or is she getting this wrong? But yeah. now there's this distrust. So that's one thing that women are not aware of. Then because they come from narcissistic backgrounds, they don't want to be selfish. So they're trapped because like they need to now be the people pleaser because the minute they start to just focus just slightly on themselves, it reminds them of their narcissistic parent that they judge very much and that they promise themselves they will never going to be like that, like me. I was like, I'm never going to be like my mom. So then you have nowhere to go because the minute somebody says, oh, aren't you really going to focus on yourself right now? Really? You're so selfish right now. No, 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 I'm not. Oh, no. How can I help you? How can I support you? No, it's all about you. So I would fall into what Brene Brown's the shame shields. So I would collapse into them. And that's exactly what a manipulative person wants, right? Like, uh, you know, they um, gaslight you and, and, and they want you to actually break your integrity down and your sense of self and become apologetic. So that was a, that's a huge shift for women to become unapologetic about yeah, yeah. focusing on themselves. I call that becoming self-absorbed. I know that's a very triggering word, but I love that work, helping women to become self-absorbed, absorb all of their parts, not just yeah. the ones that they love. No, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so important. You know, I, but I think I'm just going to do a definition here, which is uh, narcissistic personality disorder, mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration, troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for others. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm reading this and I'm, I'm going to go into this even deeper because I did an episode of uh, on my YouTube channel or a breakdown and someone just commented. They said, can you make a video about how to deal with a narcissist partner, please? <laughs> so I'll let you handle that one, Brody. Oh, me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I want, I want both of you guys to chime in, obviously, but yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah. how do you deal with a narcissist partner? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, that's definitely more onto specialty. But what I would say is around that is... Um, well, what I see with you, with your own family is like boundaries. Oh, yeah. So I can like use that. Yeah, absolutely unapologetic about your boundaries. Yeah, yeah I, I think it actually is very similar to attachment styles. I think it becomes about self-sourcing and... Because that's the way a narcissist, uh, a relationship with a narcissist can become very toxic is when they gain access um, to you because you need something from them and they know you need something from them. And so that's what gives them their self sense of self-importance, right? Because they know you're somewhat either emotionally or you have an insecurity. There's something that you're needing from them. So if you can take back that power by self-sourcing, it's one thing we teach a lot of our women. Uh, we talk about in our book too, actually. I'm sure this, we had a copy here, Magnetize Your Man. Uh, I think we have a whole chapter on that, but yeah, self-sourcing. So it's about bringing that, that um, taking the umbilical cord off the other person and plugging it back into yourself. So how can you get those needs met yourself? How can you revalidate yourself? How can you love yourself more? And there's a lot of techniques for that. So that's one thing I would say. And then of course, boundaries goes along with that too. You have to, you can either set the boundaries, but it's easier to set the boundaries when you can actually provide yourself those things that you were needing from that person. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, my mother, in, when she remarried my stepfather, he was a major narcissist. I didn't even know what that was because a lot of the men that I was exposed to before him 
were overly negative towards themselves. I'm worse than I actually am. I'm not good enough. I'm, but my stepfather had those same beliefs, but then sort of showed up in the world as the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. I'm perfect. I'm incredible. I drive all these cars. I have all this money. I'm so amazing. And to your point about using the word boundaries, I think my mother really violated her own boundaries and let him use her emotionally, spiritually, just everything to meet all his needs. And he really used her as a crutch to feel whole. So I would imagine that if I was going to go back and give advice to my mom, how to deal with him, it's setting boundaries, saying no, sort of forcing him and saying, no, you're not going to use me to meet your needs. You're going to go do this. You have to build friendship. Just saying no a lot, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I really have to, uh, the opinion with that because I have sometimes women ask me that same question that because you have to say no all the time, you can't really trust them. For me, it's it's really hard to imagine that you really can have a deeply connected and fulfilling relationship with a narcissist. If you constantly have to work on just like uh, turning out fires, what is it called? Like putting out, putting fires. out fires and just watching out for yourself because you constantly, because the narcissist is in a fight response all the time, all the time, all the time. So it puts you in a flight all the time. So your nervous system is constantly in a sympathetic response hypertonic, hypertonic, it doesn't matter, either suppresses it or it goes like into anger and rage and all of that. And it just throws off. So the nervous system is never able to be healthily co-regulated, healthily being attuned to. And I don't really believe the relationship that I have with Brody. And that's what, what I help my women to accomplish. That's a depth of intimacy where they can share anything with each other. I mean, we did a shadow ceremony the night before our wedding. We know everything and anything, all the skeletons, everything, all the fears, like everything that you don't want to show your partner. We know everything about each other. And I don't think you can do that with a narcissist because a narcissist will use it against you in the right moments. And they and typically so have so much shame that they're not really willing to open up that much about all those things, about themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's also about them. So the nervous system, so what happens is when you're dealing with a narcissist, you actually feel like when you talk about yourself, there's no energy. Like you can literally feel like as if there's like sort of a wall and there's like no energy coming from the narcissist. And then your nervous system feels that because normally we send a signal to another person. The other nervous system picks that signal up and you co-regulate together. You know what happens if another person stonewalls just like narcissists or other unavailable men? Omission is, by the way, more damaging long-term than abuse. So you rather have like abuse of childhood than omitting one because when a child sends a signal, it doesn't get a signal back it's just going to be completely lost. Like it's the nervous system, the whole visceral experience will be terror. And what happens, of course, you're not going to be in that terror. You're just going to freeze. You just become numb because otherwise you're not going to survive. It's going to fry your entire system if you run around in terror 24 seven. So that's why my unique opinion is that you will not be able to get a deeply satisfying and nourishing, trusting relationship with a narcissist. When I read that, I said, okay, let's talk about this and see, are there ways to set boundaries? But at the end of the day, obviously, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, in my opinion, they must be doing their work too, to heal from that. Absolutely. Otherwise, I would advise, yeah, get out. Absolutely. And, and examine deeply why you're attracting these narcissists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and yes. Otherwise, it's just that train that you know is just heading towards that cliff at some point. So here's a question. This is about the anxious attachment style. How do you handle the uncertainty when you're dating someone and maybe it's more new or maybe it's not new and you send them a text message and they haven't responded yet. And maybe it's only been a few minutes or a few hours and they're genuinely busy and you're starting to feel that pit in your stomach and you're starting to, oh, uh, they don't like me. And maybe they're genuinely don't, but maybe you're just getting in your head and you're getting afraid. And then they respond eventually. And then you get that like big hit and rush and you feel validated and secure again. How do you break that pattern? Yeah, this is so good because that's what I did before I met Brody and I did online dating. And so, you know, one thing I did, Brendan, and that takes a little bit of like sort of self-discipline awareness, but now you will have that because you listen to this episode. Um, and, and that is, I would not reach out to a man if I knew, if I don't hear back immediately from them. So I could just track myself. I could just be like, really be honest with myself. Like, okay, so let's 
pace myself 10 minutes into the future <laughs> after I send this am I going to be like okay like you know I don't know he's just not that into you when Gigi is looking at her phone doing the yoga class am I going to be like that I'm not going to send a message because for one it's not even authentic because I want to get something like I really trained myself to only send a message if I just want to hey I want to share something hey that was this quote or hey how's the day going but I really meant it if I just sent the message because secretly I just want the approval, I just want to have the anchor, I just want to have the certainty, I wouldn't do it. But again, it came from, that's why I talk so much about authenticity. I want to have an authentic relationship. So I didn't want to get to this point where, where the guy can sense, oh, wait a minute, she's, by the way, I've done all of that, ladies. So if you're in this camp, I totally get it. You know, there's so no wrong making. I'm not judging that at all. But it's just like, if you really think about so that's one way. If you don't even want to feel the tension, period, just do it when you're ready to do it. And that would sometimes take three days, Brandon. I would just wait three days and then I would respond to the guy. That's what I would do. I mean, obviously, that's a whole different challenge there, you know, about the inconsistency. But at least I felt stable in my own um, nervous system. Another one that I also teach my women is to actually love the tension. Because the more tension you can hold, the more magnetizing you get. Okay, hold on. Let me just explain this to you because like what in the world does that mean? So basically, so think about it, right? So you have like this, this current situation and then you're sending the message and then you have like this, this new situation. So you're basically here and then you're in the future. And so basically you become magnetic because you have to increase your capacity to hold the tension. So if I like feel tension in my body and I just laugh and I'm like, oh, just, oh, I just share something right away because it's too uncomfortable for me to actually sit with it or to meditate on it or to allow my other resourcefulness to kick in, my, my capacity stays small. And that also means my visibility stays small. That also means my attractiveness stays small. I can't really see you when, you're, when your capacity is small because you can't deal with anything. You're just always out. You're running for the hills. You're using coping mechanisms. So I can never really connect with you. But if you're actually able to be okay, I feel the tension. What else can I do with that right now? Like I wrote 139 times, and I kid you not, I trust into my book. So there was one way that I did because I realized, okay, so what's the one quality I need to know right now? I don't need a message back from this guy because then you get the hit and then you send the next message and you're in the same situation again. So it was like, I don't trust because if I trust that tomorrow is Christmas, I'm like excited about it but I'm not getting nervous about it. I'm not you know, anxious about it and can't sleep and get anxiety attacks. I know tomorrow's Christmas. So I'm having a positive um, anticipation versus what women have to have a negative anticipation because they actually fear that they're not gonna hear back from the person. They're actually secretly not expecting to hear back from the person. So you have to, you have to think about that. Your unconscious expectation is negative. And so how can you return this and actually make your, your unconscious expectation be positive? And that's what I learned from Brody. So I'm actually glad that we have him here because he told me it's just the usual. When somebody reaches out to you, it's just the usual. So instead of saying, oh, he got back to me, I get those messages from my clients. I'm like, don't make it extraordinary. It's just the usual. Like Brody calls it like you're the five-star hotel or the five-star restaurant with the red carpet. Because I asked Brody, I'm mentioned. like, tell me more about what it means to be Brody. Because right? Brody has this security inside of himself, much more anchored than I do. Will you be the gift. You be the gift versus getting the gift. I you are that. the drink versus getting the drink. I like what you said. It's just the usual. So does that mean um, like when your partner he reaches back out to you, like kind of like program yourself to not get too excited? Yeah, I, li I like that if that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's basically whenever anything good happens to you, that's quote unquote out of the norm, right? Because usually when good things happen out of the norm, when bad things happen, we're like, oh no, this is horrible. Um, and then when good things happen, we're like, oh wow, this is surprising. I didn't expect that. But you have to train your subconscious that actually when surprising good things happen, that that's normal. So you reset your, your thermostat inside that that's your new homeostasis level of of receiving and so it was really anything instead of saying like what what i used to say and this is one thing i learned from my dating coach early on is 
well, often when something good happens, like the man takes back, we say, oh, that's strange. Or I wonder what, why he texted me back, or this is unusual. It's like, no, this is usual. This is the normal. Of course he texted back. Of course you got that promotion. Of course they proposed to you. Of course, because why wouldn't they? You're amazing. You're incredible. You know, you deserve, you know, all that's, of course, they're going to want to give to you. So it's just, you're reaffirming to your unconscious. It's normal. This is the usual way. This is the default. That's how you're always supposed to be treated. That's how you're, you're, you're meant to be treated. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> that, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, another thing good. also that I wanted to say yeah, yeah, go ahead. as another tool is actually stop the whole future anticipation because what happens is we think so much about you have a date with the guy and you think, oh, how's the next day going to be and this and that and it is, oh, how is last name looking behind my first name or even if you're not that intense but you have some sort of future like oh this could be my husband this and that versus just pull yourself back I always call it like a visualize a Mustang being pulled back because your unconscious mind wants to just race forward like a Mustang it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa not so fast okay what we know is we had this date with this guy and it was like two hours long and we talked about this and this and that that's it like just get back to the facts yeah get back to the facts get back to how grateful you are for the date but have the date be an isolated experience versus having the date be already, oh, of course, it's going to continue. It's on a continuum. There's already this, of course, there's this like expectation. And it's going to calm down your nervous system so much because then when he asks you out again, you're like, oh, what, what a surprise kind of. But this is actually a good thing that you're not surprised because like it's actually, oh, I didn't expect that, which is actually a good thing because like you shouldn't expect it because you don't know this guy. And then another thing I teach my women, we talk about the six feminine and six masculine archetypes. And I always say, look, you see a fraction of the guy. You see maybe one archetype. Maybe, maybe you see, see the embodied side of that archetype. You don't even know the shadow side of that archetype. You don't know the other parts of the archetype. That really helps the women to take a man off the pedestal because they may just see, oh, he's a strong king or he is a strong uh, warrior. Or he's hardworking or whatever the case may be. But yeah, how are all these other aspects? Have you explored that? And the women are usually saying, oh, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, but how do you know already that you want him to be your husband? Like, I, I have a whole lot. Yeah, more. people just assume, like, if people are anxious, they just immediately say, oh, like, if they're going to move forward with me, yeah, I'm all in. And I'm just going to be super anxious about this whole situation versus what happened to, like, using dating for you, too, to evaluate them and see if you want to be with them yeah mm-hmm. like you don't know you don't know what relationship they have their power oh right over so mm-hmm. fast mm-hmm. and then also and i'm sure you can attest to that too brandon and, and brody is is that when a man can sense that he's on a pedestal he's like i don't respect her she's she doesn't even know who i am and she already decided all the things that i am you can't really connect with her you can't really trust her because clearly you're just fulfilling some sort of role because if she doesn't even take the time to get to know you and just sees you as a role, like the husband or the boyfriend or the relationship. No, but that's like when they're more attached to being to the idea of marriage or whatever, rather than the actual They're person. more attached to wanting to be married than to committing to the process. Yeah, or just to not be lonely or to not be yeah. single. Yeah, oh, that's huge. It's so a warm huge. body that represents mm-hmm. some fantasy they've created in their head. And you're, and you're just using someone when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want, I want to ask you guys too, like in my experience, because I've been on a long journey, you could probably see attached behind me of yeah. attachment <laughs> style work and how I've shed so much anxious. I'm curious if you guys talk at all about the importance of getting out and getting busy and really fulfilling yourself in other ways too. Like I find that I used to I would reach out to a woman, call her, leave her message, haven't heard back yet, and then sit at home and ruminate versus, you know what? Like I did what I could. Let me go meet up with friends. Let me go maybe meet other people. Let me go fulfill myself in other ways. I don't want to distract and kind of like trick myself, but more to just go out and live a great life and kind of like, do you guys talk about that at all? Oh yeah, 100%. You know, one thing that I tell my women, uh, and I would tell the men that too, because Brody had like worked with men for 10 years and we had anxious attachment styles come to us. You know, I would always say how I would see it is like, oh, so if she doesn't call you back, Remember, you have all the different archetypes. You don't just have the lover. You don't just have certain parts. You have all the parts. So I'd always say, oh, so, so God is inviting you to focus on the other part that's probably underdeveloped. Let's say it's the 
you know, the magician or the, the, the creative part or the more spiritual aspect, right? How much do you trust God that God will bring the right person for you versus like you're, you're, you're not trusting God because you're just like, obviously already decided this is the person or you're trust or you're thinking you're going to end up alone. So that's what really helped me. I mean, I, I spent like moments in anxiety where I would write songs, poetry, like massive, because remember what Brene Brown says, right? Like at the core of vulnerability is actually the highest level of creativity. So what if we did, if we actually said, oh, wow, I feel vulnerable right now. I feel like shame and I feel like uncomfort. Wow, let's see what, what's available because it's so available because right now I don't have a coping mechanism. Right now I don't have anything covering up my deepest truth, my deepest essence. So I would get like really curious and be like, what is available when she, she doesn't call me back in your case or he doesn't call uh, you back if you, of course, listening um as a woman and that would get me really 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 excited because from that place you can create a lot of momentum and again the more vulnerable the more you, you develop your essence the more magnetic you are so we're always coming back to the same place increasing your radiance leading into it versus resisting it you know i interviewed like another coach the other day and it was about about this topic and it was all about oh just call girlfriends have a glass of wine i'm like no no feel it fully Feel what the core of the energy is all about. I did this one time with a guy and it came back to just like when I was two years old or so out of a sudden an image came up and out of the sudden this, this energy rose in my body and I had a visceral experience what this was really all about when I experienced abandonment and I got so much healing from that, which I would have never gotten if I would have been just like, oh, the guy's not calling me back. Oh my gosh, I feel so embarrassed. He probably dating someone else right now. Uh, let me just have a glass of wine. I don't drink alcohol, but you know, whatever. Let's call, let's call a girlfriend. Let's pretend this didn't happen. Or my favorite, let's just call another guy. Oh, that was this other guy, <laughs> you know, like who, yeah. who gave me attention. So let me call that one so he can give me some attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I really like the idea of like feel, feeling it and, and processing it and handling it and using the tools to work through it because you're just going to repeat it. Like if I message someone and then I'm, oh, I'm anxious, like get into that anxiousness and go figure that out and handle it and work through it. Like I've had dating coaches say, oh, you know, you want to date a lot of different women at once because then you won't get so anxious with one. Like, great. But how, but how's that going to work out for you once you're married <laughs> and you're feeling anxious with your wife or husband? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm just going to download. And this is literally happens. I've worked with clients. They download Tinder and they download Hinge and they get caught by their husband or wife and they're not going on dates legitimately. Like when they get caught, they say, oh, honey, I, I'm not going to go be physical with any of them. I'm not going to go on dates with any of them. And they're telling the truth, but that doesn't make that behavior okay. They're doing that because they're trying to meet those same needs. That's right. Validation externally. And it's crazy. Like married people go on dating apps just to text with other people because they don't want to heal their shame and they don't want to learn how to feel valuable through God or the universe or the self or however, whatever you guys believe in. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. One thing I used to always teach my men is uh, there's a couple metaphors I liked, but um, thinking of yourself as like this mansion, like Ancha mentioned, you're like this beautiful, gorgeous mansion with the red carpet laid out. And then, you know, the right potential people will start to line up in front of the mansion because they want to come in and join the party, right? Which can be you, which could be your life. And it's a nice mansion that even if nobody's coming in, your mansion is nice to live in as well. Um, but it's funner when you have people in there for the party. Um, or that you're like a, this Disneyland ride. You're like the uh, Splash Mountain, right? You're like one of the logs. Space Mountain. Space Mountain. Yeah, you're like a ship on Space Mountain. And <laughs> You're like this fun ride, right? And your life is this fun ride. And now women, you know, they just start to line up and they want to hop in or a man, you know, want to hop in the ride and come along for the journey, right? But the, the, like the train is already moving. The ride is already going. Yeah. Um, but they get to join. And it's funner when they do join, they get to join along for that journey. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be inside of yourself, you know, that you're this fun ride, you're this mansion, or it can be your life or both. Ideally, your life is this fun journey already. They get to come along for the journey. Yeah. I like to say that people are trying to make, when you think of like a wedding cake, 
they're single, they're alone, they're unhappy, and they're trying to make their partner be the cake. What we want to do is you want to bake the cake at the first level is an amazing, fulfilling job. And the second level is awesome friends. The next level is having, being able to travel or do whatever. And then your woman or your man is just the icing on top. Mm-hmm. And how much better does case take with case of icing? Mm-hmm. But you, you, so you make them the icing, but you don't make them the cake. You don't like when you're saying build the mansion, it's like, I envision someone alone in a studio apartment, unhappy, just expecting some amazing woman to like want to come in there and clean it and right, be right. happy versus like the guy who has an awesome house and throws a cool party. And then this woman's there and, and multiple women are there and they feel that man's energy and they get excited about him or vice versa. It doesn't have to be the man, obviously. Yeah. And, and I'll add the caveat to that because insecurity can sometimes lead people to go the extreme with that, which is like, I don't need anybody. Right. I'm good. I don't need yeah. a man. I don't need a woman. I'm enjoying my life. You know, that's where we get like the MGTOW movements and the extreme, you know, feminist movements. It's like this, I'm, I'm independent. I can do it myself. Well, it's actually, that's comes from a place of insecure. Usually people who have been hurt before Mm -hmm. and they're protecting themselves because, you know, an authentic human being, like even God said in the the Bible, you know, man was not meant to be alone. You know, we're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do it in partnership. And actually babies, when they're not given that nurturing, they will die, you know, when they're young, we need them. We need that connection as humans. And so, um, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, that, that connection adds so much, like you said, the frosting and even more. So it's also, it's like enjoying your life, being happy, being complete with yourself, having an amazing, uh, you just love being with yourself and, and being in your life. And then you just get to amplify it that much more when you have that person uh, to even higher levels of amazingness. And the other thing I want to mention too, how Brody modeled this was when we were dating, I don't know, three weeks or so, he would always work from like nine to five. Now we're talking Hawaii. Everybody's going sailing. Everybody stops work early. Like it's gorgeous outside, you know, like you have like, you know, paradise in front of your nose. And so I would just like come, I was like, hey, let's just, you know what I mean? Let's just kind of sh- cut the day short or let's do something. He's like, no, I'm working from nine to five. And I feel what he communicated to me was really like, I have my core, I have my purpose and I'm unapologetic about it. And yes, I was annoyed about it. So if the men are listening, right, they're like, but wait a minute, isn't that like turning off? Yeah, sure. I'm like, it was like, oh, really? But you know what? It developed such a deep trust and respect to him as a man. And I became so massively attracted to him because it drove me nuts that I couldn't just push him around. And I couldn't just like, you know, use my seductive techniques that we women all have. Yeah. Um, it didn't work because he's like, I'm a man. I'm an integrity. I'm on purpose. Like, I know why I'm here on this planet. And it was like, wow. Like, I'm definitely something special. That's so important that, especially if you are anxious, like had Brody been anxious, that's even more powerful because you want to violate your boundaries and you want to shove everything aside to get that validation. And that. Uh-huh. so to say for, you know, especially if you're anxious to also say like when a woman or a man wants to spend time with you, say, I can't tonight, I'm doing something else. You know how common it is when Girl, a girl call a woman calls their girlfriend and say, Hey, I can't come to our dinner tonight because this guy called me back. And so I'm gonna go. Versus if you say to the man, like, I'm busy with my girlfriend's tonight, but I'm available tomorrow or I'm available next week. Yeah. And then they're afraid that okay, well, if I say that, then he might disappear. Good. Send if he's like <laughs> only available tonight and can't respect your boundaries, like cut it loose. Yeah, yeah exactly. totally, exactly. I mean, one thing I always say when we're coaching is uh, how a relationship starts is generally how it will continue. And so if you're starting the relationship by you sacrificing yourself, uh, you know, uh, pushing other elements of your life that are important to you out of the way to make room for this person you're trying to convince to want to be with you, uh, you're going to probably have to do that the whole relationship. You know, it's not going to stop. Generally, people get this illusion that, oh, if I just, you know, go pretend to be this other person, I mean, that's the extreme, like I pretend to be someone or not eventually they're going to fall in love with me and then I can just take off the mask and it's all going to be good. And, you know, I could go back to being who I really am and they're just going to be fine with it. And it's all going to be good. It's like, (laughs) no, that's not going to work out. It's generally, they're going to expect the same person that they were dating in the beginning. And if you change, even in a good way, they're just being like, wait, wait a second. This is kind of weird. This isn't really what I signed up for. This is different. And they're going to continue their patterns too. So that's going to throw their patterns off when you change your patterns. So you want to make sure from the very beginning, you're setting up your dating life as basically how you would want to be in a relationship with them, you know, and making sure you're enjoying yourself, you're maintaining your boundaries, 
um, you're being authentic because that's going to how most likely that's going to be how it's going to continue if you guys were to stay together your whole life. So don't expect that to change. So make sure it's organic, natural, authentic from the very beginning. Because some people will also use that as a technique and they'll say purposely, oh, I'm busy tonight. And when they're not really busy, and they, so they can also be done the other way, right? Do people use that as a technique to make themselves, make the other person think they're less available than they really are? Um, so you just, you, you want to be authentic. That's the basic rule is be authentic from the beginning because um, that's, you're setting the foundation for a more solid relationship. I was just talking about this with uh, Matt Dobschutz, who came on a recent episode. He, he hosts Porn Free Radio out of Chicago and he, uh, so vulnerable and we all do this he was saying how he's such a big chicago bears fan and he wouldn't tell his uh, now wife about that because it was like he's watching three and a half hours of football every sunday so he kind of hated how much of a fan he was and then she called him when they were married and said hey we're going to visit my family uh and this other we gotta get in the car it's gonna be the whole day and he said the bears are playing he's like i thought the bears were bad this year he goes, no, you don't understand. I have to watch every game. And so she just didn't know like who he really was in that one area. Wow. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, guys, <clears throat> I have multiple pages of notes here, not just to command this show, but for myself. <laughs> so this is really, really impressive and inspiring. I've had some of the world's uh, most renowned relationship authors, speakers, coaches, and leaders on. And um, you guys are toe-to-toe with the best in the world so um for the listeners out there uh who this resonates with and you want to learn more Antia Brody where can they find you yeah so you can take our free magnetize your man quiz to get more detailed uh, dating strategies and then depending on what uh, how you answer like you may even qualify for a 50-minute call with me well, we may be able to go a little bit deeper and see what's going on for you. Why are you attracting emotionally unavailable men? What's going on? Yeah, the free quiz and the free 15-minute clar- dating clarity session with Antia, potentially, and if we still have those available. So to get that, go to magnetizeyourman.com, magnetizeyourman.com. Just like you're becoming that magnet, you're becoming that beautiful mansion, you're the red carpet, <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to draw the right guy to you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And the thing I love about you guys is not only are you so uh, knowledgeable and helpful and useful with these strategies, but I mean, look at you two, you're sitting right next to each other. You're in love. You're it's seven years. It's going to be another 70. If I, uh, if I could guess correctly, at least Yeah, yeah. I I'm like, 150. So that'll be, that's, that'll be maybe another 120. So uh, <laughs> no guys, I really appreciate you coming on the show and thanks again for joining me. Uh, thanks for having us, Brandon. Brandon. Great to be on here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.